Happy Tuesday. Good morning, everybody. It's the 29th of March. 2022. And I'm just amazed it's still March. No, same. I've been like thinking it's April already. And then I realize it's still March. So yay, it's still March. You could have convinced me it was June. (laughs) I'm just like, March the 29th? Really? That's just like crazy. But yeah, Uh, it is. It's the 29th of March. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's Yay. it's Still of course hard. it's very it does feel spring like early spring kind of yeah yeah so. it's always funny too when we just enter a new season and people already start talking about the next season so I hear people saying well summer's on the way it's like we've just been in spring for like a week let us have spring yeah we like spring <laughs> yeah let us have it we're getting colors too so it's good yeah yeah and really the buds are just for the most part, starting to form. And so we didn't get this, you know, blooming too soon. And it just feels like things are in the Lord's timing. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very nice. <laughs> yes. Getting our little blues, getting our little greens. Yep. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yay. Um, quick announcement. So tonight, live streaming, we will be live streaming, but it will not begin till between 7.15 and 7.30. So we're we're doing something before worship begins locally here. And so we will, worship will begin between 7.15, you know, tune in around 7.15 and then it'll start when it starts and it's doxology night, which we love. So we do love that. Yeah. So wherever you are, sing your song. Yeah. And please join us. We, we really appreciate it when you join us at night because you don't you know you listen to the podcast thank you but you know we don't we don't have worship music <laughs> yeah yeah we're not as we're not as good right without the and, blue army and we have visuals too sometimes you know yeah and we won't we won't be sharing tonight we won't be sharing tonight of course but but yeah because it's doxology because it's doxology but, yeah you know but visuals can be, mean more than just slides yeah it can be well make sure we Smile at you somewhere. Yeah. So, it'll yeah. be really good. We love being together in every way we can. Yes, we do. <laughs> it's our favorite thing. It is our favorite thing. That's truth right there. Well, um, for this week's podcast, I felt like Papa really wanted to do a revisit from Winter Tea of Forks. And you might remember that we had a snowstorm, and so we got to take two, we had the the honor of taking two of our sessions and making them one. So, (laughs) there was a something of a rush uh, when, as I went through Forks, and, but it was, it was just such a, for me, it was such an incredible um, awakening of these Bible verses and, and how they apply to what's happening in the world today. And of course, I think we all agree there's there's just no louder sound right now than the need for love and the need for forgiveness. And I think that um, one of the big things that we're going to be recognizing is that there is a real effort um, from darkness to draw the people of God away from God. And um, and there's so many different ways that that can manifest, but obviously the big one is just drawing us away from love and drawing us towards anything else. Yeah. Whether it's a distraction uh, that keeps us from intimacy, or whether it's um, anything that happens that causes us to start becoming a people who judge. A people who are offended, a people who um, become angry, a, a, a people who begin to accuse, a people who begin to assault, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, so you've you've just got this storm happening in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Last last month, which is hilarious that it's still last month, but it is last month. We got to talk about this in Forks. Yeah, it's just finally been a month since Winter Tea. Right. I mean, <laughs> we could saying. we could put it that way. It has been a month now. It's yeah. been it's been a month. So, um, 
So we started by looking at Ezekiel 21, 21, which simply showed us that the king of Babylon will stop at the fork in the road at the junction of two roads to seek an omen. So the the great thing about that is, is we were able to identify this concept of a fork in the road. And, um, and that word, which is also a parting, where the road parts is M in Hebrew. And, um, and so another word for M is mother. And, and that, that was like, wow, such, a, such an incredible um, revelation because where Papa took us next was from the book of Revelation, or we, of course we call that the BEO now, but the book of Revelation, chapter 17, verse 1 through 6. And this tells us the story. This lays the story for us. So we've got to really understand these verses in Revelation 17 because they give us a, um, a sort of the backdrop because we're I, we we would say that we're in Revelation 13 right now, after uh, terraforming crowns and what God showed us with the dragon being hurled down, but um, but in Revelation 17 verse one through six, it it sort of is a future description of what's happening now. So um, this is the story of the great prostitute in verse one, and that. Uh, in verse two, with her, this great prostitute, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated by or with the wine of her adulteries. And I think it throws people because, you know, they're just so busy in the old days, especially just judging this, you know, oh yeah, these are people who sinned. But they don't understand that as soon as you see the word adultery, we're talking about the people of God. Who else can commit adultery? Because, of course, the adultery that God's talking about is with God and, and all about covenant. And, and who else has a covenant that you're called to be um, faithful to, but you have been unfaithful to. Well, the co- the faithful covenant, the faithful and true covenant is the covenant with God. And to be unfaithful with that covenant is to commit adultery. And so, our first hint that this is a story about the, um, the people of God being drawn to this fork, and that the fork is the mother— is that we see the word adultery. Then when we skip forward to around verse five or so, we see the name written on the prostitute's forehead was a mystery. And it says, Babylon the great, the mother, so here's our word mother again, of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And uh, and and it's, and it's so you, you've got the abominations, that reminds us of the abominations that cause desolation. So that's um, God taught us two years ago, uh, back in terraforming bridges, that this is our imaginations and and the way that the enemy is trying to use our imaginations to create a false narrative, to take us to parallel narratives, to take us to um, anything that causes us to be able to deal with our own fears, deal with deal with our own uh, ambitions, and to create a, a world for our own fantasies, and that uh, that this has been the plan for a long time, but now it is very real. Now we see that we call that the phantom zone. You can call that whatever you want to call it, but um, the mother of the abominations of the earth is Babylon, the the great prostitute. And she was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. So you see a real fork happening in the road here. And um, the scariest part, the part that that is such an urgent thing is knowing that the draw is to the people of God. It's and, and this is, you go back to the book Terraforming Restoration, which is 2011, and this is what God said to us then. We didn't understand it, but at an infant level, but now we get it much greater because of the journey we've walked, that um, 
once the dragon is hurled down and is is angry because it knows that its time is short, that you enter into this season of Revelation 13, which is really all about the church uh, being assaulted and using the religion of Jesus as a uh, way of deflecting us away from our relationship with Jesus, just having our own personal, intimate relationship with God. And so, all of these things tie together between these two verses that God gave us, Ezekiel 21, 21, and then Revelation 17, verse 1 through 6. So, um, knowing that that is happening in the world right now has to be an alarm to all of us. We've all, we need to be on alert because of this. Now, from there, another uh, couple of verses that, that God showed us, really just incredible. Um, so, you have a fork in the road, you've got two different roads, and what are those two different roads? So, um, uh, it's it's interesting. We we this last weekend we got to watch a couple of movies that are highly acclaimed. One of them was called Belfast, and uh, Belfast is a black and white movie about 1969, which is you know, <laughs> kind of tragic. But anyway, you know we did have color back then, people. But anyway, so um, in 1969. Uh, when the Troubles began in Northern Ireland, they call it the Troubles, which led to Sunday Bloody Sunday in 1972. But anyway, um, so uh, you've got these uh, this family, and of course, the, the youngest child is actually the director who wrote the screenplay. Um, this is his life story. And, um, and he goes to this Protestant church, and the pastor is using this um, this concept of a split or a fork in the road as as a way to uh, convict or condemn people into becoming Christians or going to church or whatever it might be and um, it it felt like a message to the unbelievers which is of course been used for quite some time now. Uh, we might even say a thousand years or two thousand years, but as a way to get people to um, to come to Christianity, and um, and of course this this just really impacts the child, and the child is drawing pictures of it, and is just focused on you know there's two paths, and I don't, but he's got one path, and he draws it one path, and it splits into two, and that was really cool. It just you know you can see where art is. Um, is influenced by the Spirit of the Lord. And the Lord is trying to get this message to people about a split in the road. Unfortunately, the context in the movie felt a little condemning, but um, but that's okay because the, the real message is not to, it, it is to all people, but of course, especially to those people who already believe. So, here's Judges Chapter five, verse six. In the days of Shangmar, Sham Shamgar, sorry, the other the other Shamgar. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Yael, the highways were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. So you know, a highway, of course, is where you clear uh, a path, and it's where you, you know, in some cases, you'll have hills. And today, they they cut those hills down so that they can make the road as flat as possible. But definitely, what makes a highway a highway is straight. It's a straight path. So. Um, somewhere in there, they knew that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And so they um, made highway straight, even back in the days of Judges. And that's a long time ago. We were able to take the winding paths and get that word in Hebrew, which is a cow-cow. And a cow-cow obviously is a, is a word of, con- of condition, but like all words, there's a redemption to it. And the redemption for a cow-cow is light that crowns the king and releases authority. And so, if we, when we see winding, if we think that the point is, is that it's a dark path and that it needs light, and that's, that's the role of the royal priests, is to bring light to the winding path so that the crowned king uh, is is able to um, rule, and so that the authority to rescue is released. 
And so this is a real call for the maturing sons and daughters of God. It's not uh, a c- condemnation, you know, and, and certainly not something to cause us to think that we could lose our covenant with God, but definitely something that would, would cause us to know the warning is out there, but for us to rise up and be who we were created to be. And so uh, we, we take that, Judges 5 verse 6, um, about the winding paths whose redemption is light, uh, but they're dark paths. And then we go to Job chapter 24, verse 13, which says those, there are those who rebel against the light, who do not know its ways or stay in its paths. And so the light has a path and that's the highway. And then the darkness has a path, and that's the winding path. And this is the fork in the road that the king of Babylon has come to. And that fork is the mother who is the mother of the prostitutes. So this is the the fork in the road. This is the place where the straight and narrow path it has been split off by deception um, where the uh, the kingdom of darkness is trying to lure the people of God who are in covenant with God away from the truth of who God is so that they can be uh, complicit in uh, the debauchery of what uh, is to come. And so, um, it's just such a confirmation to see you know that yeah you've got you've got two roads now one of light one of dark uh that that the you know we think well because we're in covenant with god there's you know the, the dark path is not our path so we're on the light path but but you've got to see that we have an entire church of people that the enemy is targeting point blank targeting trying to get them away from the straight and narrow which is the highway but but we need to know more about that straight and narrow. So um, so the key is is that in Job twenty four, rebel against the light who do not know its ways. And so that word know is our is our keyword. So that leads us to the Almighty one of the two Almighty quotes of Jesus. So here's Matthew seven, verse twenty one through twenty three, and. Um, you know, th- this is one of the two places in the Bible where we'll quote Jesus continuously because it's wh- you, you have to have guts to do it. The- these are just verses that, that shred so many theologies. And, and you have to understand through the Spirit all of the things that are true in the Bible, not just one or two things that cause people to create doctrines, you know, that are, you know, these things that that contradict and contradict and contradict. And you know you're on the road that that is truth when it's not contradicting and it's full of life and, and it's all about love. You know, when it's all about love, we're great. When it's all about intimacy with God, you're doing great. You know, so here's Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23 for the 200th time. So not everyone who says to me, Jesus says, this is all red letter, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many, ugh, oh, Jesus, you're, you're slaying me. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, I don't know how long it takes to break this down in the context of the fork, but it could take an hour, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to do the the really fast version. (laughs) But again, that's what happened in forks is the fast version. You've just got to press the pause button and go over these things because we're accountable. If Jesus said it, we're accountable. So first of all, Lord, Lord. So who says Lord, but the people who believe? Who says Lord, but the followers of the Lord? And, you know, if, if you're not a follower of the Lord, we went through this in, Isaiah, in I, all those places in Isaiah, back in terraforming communion, you know, whose knee shall bow, Philippians 2, all of those, um, those quotes that Paul said that was really quotes of Isaiah, who, you've got those that, that uh, are not going to call him Lord, 
That's just that's just the truth of, of Isaiah's prophecy, which Paul was quoting in Philippians uh, verse 2. And so, Lord, Lord is those who believe. These are people who believe. And, and so, the risk, okay, entering the kingdom of heaven. Jesus didn't say that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will uh, will not enter heaven, but the kingdom of heaven. So just, you know, I can't redo the teaching from Revelation Restoration of uh, Revelation uh, 21, but Revelation 21 verse 3, heaven is a tabernacle. So you have to look at the, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, which, which became the temple. And you have to look at that. There's an outer court, an inner court, and a holiest of holies. The kingdom of heaven is the inner court of heaven. But that doesn't mean that you're kicked out of heaven, right? So there's still an outer court. But anyway, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So not just heaven, but the kingdom, that's the inner court. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So if you're annoyed by the number of times we say, his will, his way, don't be, because that's the crucial key of everything. And this cross-references to Matthew 12, verse 50, and the Lord's Prayer in, uh, in Matthew 6. You know, it's just, it's all about the Father's will, the Father's will. That's what Jesus said, the will of my Father who is in heaven. So, it's Ab, it's Abba, it's Papa, it's the Father who is in heaven. So, that's why we need daily bread of the Father's will, the Father's way. And so, so where do you get that? You know, from reading the Bible? No, you don't get that from reading the Bible. Gospel of John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40, I'm quoting Jesus. You get that from having your own personal, intimate relationship with God. When you do, then the scripture testifies to what Jesus said. So, you have your own relationship with God, and then the scriptures testify. Many will say to Jesus on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. And so, you see the fruit. I mean, these are people of faith. Look at the faith that you need to prophesy to drive out demons and to perform miracles. It doesn't say false miracles. Jesus said miracles. Jesus didn't say false prophecies. He said prophecies. These are people who, in the name of Jesus, which means, you know, they believe. And they, so you have an irrevocable gift and you believe. It's a, I mean, this is in between an irrevocable gift you don't believe and you're using it for selfishness and an irrevocable gift and you're using it for God's will, God's way. There's, there's an in-between there, according to Jesus. And that is, I have these gifts, I believe in Jesus, but I'm doing them either for myself or I'm doing them God's will, my way, which means that I've been lured to a different road, which is the winding road. So, but I never knew you. I never knew you takes us back to where we just were. Those who rebel against the light, who do not know its ways. So, the, how do you know the light? Well, Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. So, to know the light is to know Jesus. So, as soon as you know that and get that, now you can look at Matthew 7, and there in verse 23, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers who believed in me, who called me Lord, who prophesied, cast out demons, and performed miracles, but you didn't know me because you did not have a personal, intimate relationship with God, because in that intimacy is where we are led day by day by the Father's will, the Father's way. It's that personal, intimate relationship with God. And so, yeah, this is like, this is like a tough three verses, but you've got to read them and be accountable to them because this is our daily walk with God. And to know that there is such a lure trying to take us away from God's will, God's way. So, but the, the, the cool thing in this is, is those who do choose intimacy with God and pursue their daily bread, and that's Matthew 6, 
of the Father's will. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread is one sentence, no period. And that's the Father's will, the Father's way in daily bread portions. And those who do, you know, have a call. And But first thing we need to know is, is that is the straight path. The straight path is a personal, intimate relationship with God where you hear God's will, God's way, and say yes, and choose the Holy Spirit to navigate you through it. Okay, that was a, that was a big, long, I told you it was going to take an hour. So, now let's go to Proverbs 2, verse 12 through 15. So, wisdom will save you. Wisdom, remember, is, the, is one of the spirits of the Lord from Isaiah 11, verse 1 through 2, and from Revelation uh, chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 4. So the wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, men who have left the straight paths, so no more personal intimate relationship with God, to walk in dark ways, that's the winding road, the winding path, a cow-cow that's not been redeemed, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So again, crooked, winding, winding paths. So that's Proverbs 2, verse 12 through 15. It's just insane. I mean, you know, it's like none of this made sense. Now it does. It makes perfect sense. This is the dark path. And, uh, and it, is, uh, it is people. So wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths, which means they once were on the straight paths, people. Don't you get it? once were on the straight paths, but aren't now, right? That's adultery. That's, that's, that's what God's telling us in Revelation 17, is that it is the mother of prostitutes, the great prostitute who uh, had committed adultery with the kings of the earth. There is a real lure here to get people who believe in Jesus off of the straight path and onto the the winding one, the crooked path, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. And, you know, the, the, the simple understanding, the straight path is personal, intimate relationship with God that leads you to God's will, God's way, the will of the Father, the way of the Father through the navigation of the Holy Spirit. But see, so now that you understand that, here's Isaiah 40, verse 3, which Jesus himself quoted in Matthew 3, verse 3. So, or, uh, well, Jesus may not have quoted it, but it's in Matthew 3, verse 3. So, a voice of one calling, in the wilderness, prepare, so in the wilderness, hey you, hey sons and daughters of God, hey royal priests, prepare the way for the Lord by making straight in the desert, a highway for our God. We have a crooked path. We have a winding path, a winding road that needs to be made straight. And and that making that crooked path straight is when we follow the Father on the straight path, His will, His way, and the fruit that we produce, which, which each one of us individually around the world we produce fruit from yielding to God's will, God's way in daily bread portions. That fruit from me will complement and complete your fruit. And our fruit together makes the path straight. And it's so, it's a thousand things. We're going to be the people of love. We're going to have that currency of love. We're going to be champions of love. We're going to continue to do the things God has called us to do. That dismantle deception and that, uh, that um, nurture the seed we've already sown. And, and I cannot emphasize this enough. God's will, God's way for the royal priests, the maturing sons and daughters of God, will be nurturing the seeds we've already sown. So you've got um, uh, the authority over the weather that brings the rain in its season, the authority over the skies that moves the obstacles moves the obstacles so that the sun can shine upon what is growing from those seeds so that they can receive everything that they need from Jesus, everything that they need from uh, God. The rain, the sunshine, 
the, the, the temperatures so that those seeds which were sown in good soil, removing the thicket. We've already dug up rocks, but we've got rocks that we're pulling out. But uh, removing the thicket, because the thicket is, is definitely one of the things that's going to lure, lure people away, so that everything that was sown grows and produces a mighty harvest. And so it's, it's, it's all about this rescue. And um, I saw this, this quote from when Joaquin Phoenix won his Oscar a few years back, and he quoted his brother, his late brother, um, who, and, and he talked about the fact that, you know, he, he, Joaquin, had made so many mistakes and just been a jerk and just done all these terrible things. He said, but there's so many people in this room who have forgiven me. You know, come on. So many people in this room who've given me a second chance. And, and then he quotes his brother about this, this road of the rescue. And, and I mean, you know, I'm just like, dang, you know, yes. Thank you, El Shaddai. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing that out in this day that we would understand that the maturing sons and daughters of God are called to rescue those who left the straight paths by making the winding path straight again. And it prepares the way for the Lord, right? To have intimate access with not only the people of God, but all those who are drawn to the path of love because love is the greatest currency. So once once again, guys, we are the intimacy gates. God is, is bringing us to make that path straight. God is bringing us to show the world true love. God is, is uh, bringing us to be the authority that allows what's already out there to grow, produce fruit, so that these people can taste and see for themselves that God is good, that never beginning unconditional love is the greatest choice we all can make today. Mm-hmm. Well, that was so wonderful and full. I, I'm almost tempted to not share, but I feel like, <laughs> your faith, I feel like we're both feeling a, a season shifting. Yeah. And so, um, what I have goes goes along with, with what you shared. So, um, I want to keep us on the path of the Shemitah year and pursuing the rest of the bride, the rest of the bride. Mm. And, uh, I just want to be so faithful to this journey that we were invited to as a people. So, um, towards the end of the week, we will enter into a new Hebrew month. And uh, you'll know when you look up and you see a, a crescent of light, we will be in the new month. You can look at an app or you can look up. That's what we've been invited to always do is look up. And uh, when we look up, we we end up worshiping the creator of the calendar and not being slaves to the calendar we know so well. So we will come into the month of Nisan. And Nisan is when the birth of the nation occurred, the birth of this nation of people that God had kept and carried and would continue to do. And mankind became missionaries. They, they went out with something, um, with the Lord, absolutely, and with His message, with His heart, with His love, with all that He was, they were able to go and spread the reality of who He was to them, to the world beyond them, which is the same. You know, we have these, uh, this same mission as, as humans who are kind to go and reveal who He is to us right now to those who, who aren't so sure or who have never even been able to consider that. So, uh, Pesach occurs in... Um, Nisan, and so on the Gregorian calendar, that will be uh, April 15th, sundown of April 15th through the 23rd. Um, so, Nisan means miracles. These 
were the miracles, are the miracles outside the scope of, of human comprehension. It was beyond what they could expect. The people, you know, they were in Egypt. <clears throat> they're enslaved. Uh, they're, but they're really being held captive for the plans of the Lord. Because He's told them He will release them from exile. Um, it, the Lord was always so faithful to say how long exile would be. You know, so he's he's told them that they they won't always be in this place. They're just in a wait with him. And so that made this time leading up to the Exodus a time of great anticipation, but also a time of readiness, a time of being readied for that passage that was being made for this um Exodus to be missionaries, to be his mission, to reveal the mission of God to the world. Um, so, one of the greatest miracles of the Exodus was that it caused the people to see Papa as he really was, who he really was, and to have anticipation for him to be that in the world of them, to completely be who he was. They, they couldn't even begin to comprehend how this freedom was going to come. And, you know, they're experiencing the plagues in a very different way than the Egyptians are. And they're, they're seeing him. This wasn't one miraculous moment. It was miracle after miracle after miracle that opened that path for them. And, and we've lived that life of just miracle after miracle and the reality that He's making a way. He's making a way through and to. So, they, this miracle is happening. They're, they're seeing Papa as He really was, and, and it's revealing, this miracle is revealing, is their desire really to be with Him wherever He is? Because they're, they're going to be standing at a Red Sea that looks so much bigger than them and so much, um, too much to get through. You know, too, there's no way through it. They can't see the path through. And so their desire is percolating. Is their desire just to be saved or is their desire to be with Him? Because they're going to get to make a choice in this miracle to go. You know, they could have chosen, no, when he split the sea, they could have chosen not to go through, actually to let fear be greater than awe. And so the first thing he had to do was split the water of them, of their soul, so they could see what their desire truly was, and that they they desired to be with him. They were meant to be moved. And then this moment, he's just moving them, just, just moving in them in the way they're created to be moved. Um, so, so one of the things that happens in this miracle is he reminds them to look up. And this is when the calendar is really birthed, and it's not grid lines on a piece of paper. It was in their heart. The calendar was to be able to recognize him in every moment, and that in that way they would be able to keep time. And they, the calendar would be a living expression of the living God. It wouldn't be this isolated thing on a wall that you look at to know how much time has passed you by. It was a living expression of their living God. And they're entrusted here to be time markers and space sanctifiers and to recognize that their very existence was miraculous. Our very existence is miraculous. I had a conversation with someone last week, and they were just saying, gosh, I'm just having a moment here where I'm realizing I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. Like everything he did that I'm here right now in this moment. And we all have that reckoning. reckoning. How many times did he split the sea? 
how many times has He split the sea for us, but also in us? And it was this miracle, this miraculous time was was such a, um, I guess, an alertness in in that being ready that the enemy always tries to get us to look down at our work instead of up in worship. The enemy will try to get us to have everything be a focus on our vocation. What is our vocation going to be? But the Lord is always about our location. Where are we in proximity to Him? You know, from the garden when He said to Adam, where are you? Which really translated to, why aren't you with me? The Lord will always be trying to draw us to where He is so that we never lose our way. And so, in Nisan and the birth of this nation, He gave them a map for their journey. That was really what was given, and we still have the map, which is incredible. So, now we come to our rest word for this month, which is Shaval, which is Shin Beit Lamed. And Together, it means to grow or to grow closer, to fall more in love, to share more passion. So, this is, you know, the last month it was about interweaving, mingling, becoming one. But once there's oneness, there's more. Once there's oneness, there's deeper and wider, there's an expansion of relationship. It's always been his heart that we discover more, that there, there's a depth and a height and width and all these things we can't comprehend. And so I think this place of rest is about what we have yet to comprehend, what He wants to draw us to comprehend, which is how great this love is, how great this place is that we get to dwell with Him. Um, you know, at the, when in creation, those first days, He created habitation. And then the next few days, He created the inhabitants <laughs> that would dwell in that land. But on the last day, the seventh day, He created an everlasting habitation, which was rest. He didn't stop working. He created a place that we could always dwell no matter where we are, no matter if we're in um, the place we were aimed at, the place that we wanted to be. There is a place we can always dwell, and it's in rest. That is our true habitation, because rest is always going to be with Elohim. Always, always, always. That's the only place there is true rest. So, our new letter, uh, because all of our Shabbat words have sheen and bait, so our, our added letter this month is Lamed. And Lamed is an, an amazing uh, letter because it tells so much story. It's considered the heart of the Aleph bed. It's the tallest letter. There are many things like that. But this word can be used in many different ways. When it's used as a prefix, it means to, unto, into, toward, during, for, about, according to, by, with, within, each, every, and ultimately belonging to. Lamed is direction. It's about our aim, what we are aimed at. Um, Lamed reveals, kind of in a physical aspect, all of our directed association of, of the thing we are headed to or who we are with. So, it, it expresses this idea of withness with the Lord, of not being separate. The root word for Lamed means to learn, study, or become familiar with, to teach. It means to actually reach out and reveal. So, to reach out to another and reveal who God is to you. It means to reach up and receive what is real and true and then apply it upon the earth. Actually apply what you've received. So, begin living it even before you create a sermon <laughs> about it. You live it. 
you live it out loud and it becomes real and you can you're then revealing a fullness that goes beyond words that goes beyond what you can even say lamed reveals this great capacity and capability we have we are able to reveal the lord we are able to do that we have been from the beginning able to reveal it's just this the sweet oneness um, the letter Lamed has a, call it a bump <laughs> on the top, which represents Lev or the heart. Um, so, this revelation that comes from Lamed is that that will connect to the heart. It isn't head knowledge. It's not um, space for more information. It is that which connects the heart to Him. And it it reveals a desire for more of God. Lamed is made of a vav and a kaf. So, vav is like the crown or the tower, and kaf is the body. So, there's the picture of that is there's no greater thing than to know God and reveal Him to others. That is our crown. Our crown is to reveal Him. So, no matter what our vocation our call is to know Him and make Him known. This makes every bit of work worship. So our dimension is at saw, which is council. And uh, you had shared when you spoke about the dimensions, it's seeing each other through Papa's eyes. Again, this connection. Um, I was led to an interesting place when I was exploring this the past um, weeks. So, I was led to Genesis 2.9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, the word tree in Hebrew is etz, and it comes from the root word etzah. So, the word good used here is tov, which means to be in harmony. The word for food is a call, which is a common word for food, but it, it really means to consume or absorb something into you that becomes a part of you. It brings you energy. So, um, and then the word garden means an orchard or a place where there is a shield or protection. So, when we're reading this and talking about counsel, the, here was a, a map given at the beginning. There is a place of harmony and there is a place without. There is a place that will bring you life. There is a place that will not. There is a place of counsel. There is a place that is not. And evil is the word raw, and it, it means what is not pleasant or in harmony. So here's this map of there's a place of harmony, there's a place of oneness. Will you dwell there? Because I want to sustain you. And part of that, the sustenance is counsel. Counsel is how He sustains us. It's how He keeps us fed and nourished and moving and and going into and unto and toward and recognizing who we belong to. That is counsel. It's all about these concentrations of energy. What, what do we consume? What is really propelling us? Is it what He offers or what the world offers? Is it what He gives or what we can get? Creative energy, cre creativity is an energy, and, and rest is a place where we create. Rest was created, and when we rest with Him, when we're one with Elohim, with all of them, <laughs> we create. We just naturally create, and there's no work to it. It's just worship. And everything is meant to be with that place. So creativity is an energy. It's an expression. And so whatever we 
go to, whatever we consume, that is what will propel us, that is what will energize us, and the choices will it sustain us? Because if it really isn't sustenance, we'll have to keep getting more and more and keep going back to that other tree. But when we are at the place of His counsel, the place of where He sustains us, we never leave. We never leave and we never get empty. So if you think about worship, music is sound waves, which is an energy, and we're all aware of that in the moment that that this is a worship is a place where we can be in harmony with God. And that is a wave for us. It's a place where we become in harmony. That's our invitation. Dancing does the same. It's a wave, it's a motion. You've been talking about this. Um, it requires concentrated energy to dance not just before the Lord, but for the Lord requires a place of concentration. What is our concentration on? And so when our concentration is in the place of counsel, the place where He sustains and nourishes and navigates us, all these things we do bring joy They bring us closer to the Lord. So our choice is, do we want what brings joy? Or do we want what brings pleasure? With God is joy. Without God is just pleasure that isn't satisfying. It doesn't sustain. So um, then our tabernacle is the crowned lamb. Also means glory out of humiliation. The Hebrew name is teleh, and it means lamb or merciful. So, something I find so interesting is that through the, the Hebrew circuit begins, because it's the new year begins with the virgin and the story beginning to be told, astrology actually begins with the crowned lamb, and it's as if the world knows that a sacrifice was always needed, that there was this drawing near that has always been needed, and that truth is still here because sacrifice means to draw near. It's as if the world has always known until we draw near to what is real and true, we will never be sustained. We won't be saved. So, the brightest star within this tabernacle is Elnath, and it means wounded or slain. There's actually a system within the sign. So some tabernacles have a system within them. And the system has also been named by the world, and it means chained. And this is such a picture of how the world systems work in direct opposition to truth. They're not in harmony. And that's why they are at times called evil. They're just simply not in harmony with who God is. So the picture the world would paint of this is this woman chained, bound, but the tabernacle really depicts the restored bride who's preparing herself for her king. And I, you know, I've been very impacted recently by, there's been this trend that's been happening and, uh, and it's, this idea that in marriage, that in relationship, you know, don't you dare say you complete each other. Like, ugh, that's so demeaning to us as individuals to say that we somehow offer a completion to each other. And so there's this real opposition to that idea. So it opposes oneness, it opposes marriage, it, depos- it opposes harmony, it opposes unity. And so, but the truth is that there is a bride who is is in the midst of restoration and she's preparing herself for the king. There is actually a people who wants to complete a picture. So, so full of the idea of being one that they can't be deterred. 
and that people, it's us, it's who we are. We're not going to be deterred by those things because we're so aimed at being one with the Lord. So this tabernacle, it's the lamb or the liberator actually being followed by the bride, actually being followed like those, uh, the days when the Civil War brides would follow their grooms into battle and they would be there to tend and care for them. So they would set up tents and they would uh, nourish and nurture their husbands uh, when they returned so they'd be fortified for all that was still to come. Oh, I love it so much. I want to I be that bride that follows and tends to the groom because he's so wonderful. So this bride is not in chains. She's bound by love. The world says we're trapped. There's Because religion has been so prevalent, the, the fullness of relationship is often missed. So, so, so much of what we believe and what our heart beats for and lives for is considered a trap. And there's this pull of the world to get us out of it to get us out of this trap we're in, and we get to start living like we're bound, not trapped by a whole other system of religion. The world recognizes systems and recognizes we're not meant for them, and so sometimes we'll try to pull us out of places we don't belong so that we can reveal where we all belong, and that's in relationship. So another part of the system is called Peretz, that means the breaker, and it speaks of this lamb going before them. And on the day of the crucifixion of Jesus crucified, the sun shines fullest, so this would be Nisan 14, the sun shines fullest on the star that means the heart of the lamb. It's just too wonderful. So... <clears throat> Tabernacles can have smaller constellations, or they're called deacons, and so the crown lamb has one. It's called Rukbah, and it means daughter of splendor, enthroned woman, an enthroned woman freed and preparing for her marriage to the deliverer. So opposite of this chained woman, just utterly opposite of that. And then um, another deacon means the great enemy, subdued, subdued and bound. And then there's Peretz, which I already talked about, the breaker or the mighty deliverer. So that leads us to our tribe, which is Judah, which means sacrifice and praise. What is sacrifice really? It is to draw near. We are so able to live sacrificed lives. He may ask us to let go of something so we can take hold of what's real. He may ask us to let go of what won't sustain so we will have sustenance. But that sacrifice drop prepares the way for praise. It, it makes that straight path as well. It prepares the way for praise. So this is about a laid down life. And a laid down life is an offered life. It's a sacrificed life. It's one that always cries out to be one, to be drawn near, to be as close as you can possibly be. Um, Judah, that name is the root word of it means give thanks or praise. And Judah had an interesting story. I feel like he reveals a lot of of what we see in the world still, because it was there then, he struggled with completion. He, along with his brothers, couldn't see how Joseph was a completion of who they were as the tribes. So they were the tribes. It, each of the tribes, each one of them made up the tribes, and there was a whole story that was being told. And he, along with them, struggled with this completion. Now, he did end up being a breaker for Joseph in that when they could have left him for dead, he it was his idea to sell him to um, the, slave, the slave traders coming through, which ultimately led him to Egypt and all the story that was to come. And that's what 
sacrifice does. It draws us to all the story that is yet to come and helps us see that we're part of it, that we are part of that story. Uh, Later, at another point in Judah's story, he would... um, he would encounter Tamar, who was his daughter-in-law, and he would insist that his other sons come to her and give her the seed of the line of the family, and they refused. So, Tamar comes to him, and um, he thinks she's a prostitute. So interesting. And he lays with her, and she becomes pregnant. When she becomes pregnant, and that is revealed He accuses her, he declares her a prostitute that should be put to death. And isn't that what's happening right now? The bride is being seen as a harlot by the world. The bride so full of all that God is and what he wants to do is seen as a prostitute, is seen as the unfaithful and That can be because of the ways the bride has been, the church has been, but the bride is choosing faithfulness. So, Tamar reveals that she's got, you know, his seal and his staff, and so he then, just like with Joseph, he realizes there's a completion. His struggle was how how do I get anything for myself out of this? You know, that was really what was going on with the brothers. Joseph's having these big words and these big dreams, and, and he had some big pride. Um, but it was all, how is this going to, um, how am I going to get anything for myself out of this? And that's that's kind of the way of the world. They're looking at us and, and asking, how are we going to get anything for ourselves? out of this and and we're we're revealing a different life to live that where everything is provided nothing is left out you don't have to get anything for yourself it's all here it's all within this story it's all inside our god who pours himself out all the time and in every place had Judah allowed Tamar to actually be put to death as a prostitute, the line of Christ would have been extinguished. Just like as we talked last week about Purim, this line would have been extinguished. So now here's Tamar and she has these twins inside her and they're being born and the mid- one arm comes out and so the midwife t- ties a, a red cord, a scarlet cord a sign of hope around it, but then Perez comes first, which is the breakthrough. And then what was the breakthrough? Well, hope. Zerah, who was signaled as the firstborn, bore the sign of hope, this scarlet thread. The hope. What was the hope of this line? One is coming. One is coming that will save us all. Oh, We never want to extinguish the truth that He comes. He's not just coming, He comes. He is here, and He will meet every single one in need. So grateful that that line was not extinguished, because from the line of Judah comes King David, and eventually the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, who will establish the fullness of the kingdom. It was said of Judah in Genesis 49, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. And it makes me think of your story about Joaquin Phoenix. You know, Judah knew messes. He knew misses, but that truth never left. That identity never left. He would always be seen as who God saw him as. He would always be seen. He struggled to know the value of life, but he was reconciled to how 
what a miracle it is to exist. And his covenant was actually about existence, making sure the word of the Lord remained, that it was a living word. It was the living word of God. So he would go on to become part of the southern tribes when uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, (laughs) I don't know if I said that right, but nobody would be surprised, Um, when the, the kingdom was split and there was the south and the north, and so Judah became part of that southern tribe, but his his role was not to divide, it was to sift, to sift and always search for what sustained. It was said of him, you are a lion's cub, Judah, you return from the prey, speaking the truth of the lion that would come. The one Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Revelation 5.5 So what is the gate of this season that we're soon to enter into? Well, it's the completion of revelation that secures the door of faithfulness. Prophecy complete, or the word of the Lord clung to and held until it is full. That's the covenant of this gate, to hold true to the word of the Lord until it is full, until it is full in you and those with you, those around you. And the with isn't just the people you're with right now, it's those who are meant to be with Him. That's who it is. So what's the battle at this gate? Well, How do we dwell in the word of the Lord? Are we too concerned about whose fruit it is, if it's our fruit or if it's His fruit? Because if it's His fruit, it is our fruit. So are we contending for what we can get for ourselves or tending to what He's given? It's discord instead of harmony. It's every way the enemy tries to get us to be our own God and to divide instead of sift. And that is where we're aimed right now. Amazing. Yay. Well, I personally am choosing a laid down life. Me too. To draw near. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's just a great season to let go of... um, all of the things that would creep their way in between us and our intimacy with the one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we see a laid down life as less for us. It just means less of us, <laughs> but that means more of him. And so that means more for us, not less. It's, it's where he multiplies. So it's a good place to be. It's a choice that takes us out of trauma, takes us out of the, the, the wounding, sometimes the depression, you know, and into the place of rest. Yes. Place of joy. Yeah. Our true habitation. Come on. He made it from the beginning. I love it. Yep. All right. We'll see you all soon. Yes, we will. Bye. Bye.